Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Grow With Soul. One thing that I haven't spoken about much yet on the podcast is visuals and I guess that's because it's a subject that's kind of hard to do through audio. However, I thought it was time for that to change. So today I'm talking to branding expert Margie Jansen of Everyday Artifacts, all about being consistent with your brand visuals. You 100% know Margie's work because she created all the visuals for Grow With Souls, so they are right there in the palm of your hand. And in this episode, we talk about colour psychology and seasonal brand identities with lots of takeaways for you to think about. So let's dive in. Hi, Margie. How are you? Hi, Kate. Good. How are you? I'm good. It's been, well, when I looked on my Skype, it said it's been seven months since we chatted. <laughs> really? It's a really great thing that we get to talk again (laughs) I really miss our chat yeah me too (laughs) so well I was going to say for anybody who doesn't know your work but everybody listening to this does know your work because it's right there in their hand because you did the the artwork for Grow a Soul (laughs) so for anybody who doesn't know your work kind of further than that can you kind of tell us your story because I know it's a very winding story and how you kind of got to the place where you're at now and what what it is that you do? Uh, Sure. So I thought I'd start and say that at the moment I'm a uh, branding designer um, and I run my small business called Everyday Artifacts. And yeah, it's all about branding, but branding um, as a whole. So not just logos and business cards. But before Everyday Artifacts was a branding studio. It was actually a homeware and textiles business. And that's kind of when I met you, I think, is when I was still um, running it that way. And I really, I started that business because I wanted to make something beautiful that I really liked and that I could explore my creativity through. And so I thought textiles and pattern design would be the way to go. But it turned out that the production process of making cushions and tote bags and the sales side really didn't fit with me so it grew from there though so I've been a designer for 12 years I just worked that out the other day (laughs) it's a bit of a shock (laughs) and so I worked for studios design advertising studios for a couple of years and then I went on to working with um, non-profit organizations and I did communications and I ran a couple of campaigns alongside these organizations and that was really because I sort of became more aware especially living in South Africa about just the reasons that there is so much poverty and why the poverty stays it seems to just be growing the gap between the rich and the poor so I think it was important for me to do something with my skills about that but and then I got back into freelancing and here I am now (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and when, as you say, when we first met, it was all these beautiful cushions and bags, and then we had a conversation. You're like, "Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore." <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it's too much. <laughs> and yeah, it's um, a really great example of how to fail quickly <laughs> and to learn and to not take it too personally and to. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it was, you kind of had put loads and loads of work into it, but very quickly you're like, no, this isn't working for me as a person this is going to be more difficult to make this work than the amount of work I want to put into it if you know what I mean and yeah it was always kind of about you wanting to get back to design and working with people who wanted to make an impact in the world yes exactly (laughs) yeah so how would you describe your style or your kind of approach towards design and branding so my style is quite uh, I like to use illustration and it's quite a, a clean style and I'm very lucky that I get to make lots of beautiful things that I like too because I'm now working with a lot more like-minded people and I like to start the process by asking someone what the core message is that they want to communicate. I think starting with your core message is the best way for you to be able to show something visually that is true to who you are. So when I create branding, I like to work with people who are making an impact in the world and I want to show their true identity in the best way. So it has to really reflect them and not just be something that looks Mm. professional. And that really helps the audience or the right people to resonate with with the visual and to really connect with them. So once we've started with the core message, we can then we often go through a whole process. I really love the collaborative process because there's always something that comes up that I didn't expect or it's more interesting (laughs) or people ask me to try things I didn't actually think of trying and then it turns out to be the best solution. Mm. So I'm really open to whatever people intuitively know about themselves and their brand and what they think would work. The next step is often making a list of keywords. So you think about your, your brand really as a, another personality or another person and so things that describe who they are and how they approach their work and the world and it's not just about writing words down we can also I love Pinterest so (laughs) creating boards that just keep growing and growing of (laughs) images and textures and colors and things all that together helps me to get a good sense of the personality Mm. and that's when color psychology comes into which I can talk about more um, and so it's it's amazing how the words all work together to really point you to one of the four um, seasonal brand personalities and then yeah from there it's really easy <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're right what you say that certainly this is my experience as someone who I sort of know what I like visually, but I don't know why I like it or how to get there. I think that's it's really important that that bringing together of all the different elements and that when we were doing the Grow With Soul artwork, you sent me like a, a presentation and part of that was texture references. And actually, I'm a really textural person. I'm really jo- drawn to like wool and wood and clay. And it was just interesting to have that element brought into it because you don't think of that when you're thinking of like a, a design that's going to be a little square on a someone's phone screen you don't think of bringing that in but it definitely it makes such a huge difference but yeah 
colour psychology. I, I've kind of, I maybe listened to one podcast about it and I think it's quite interesting, but yeah, I don't really know a whole lot about it. So tell me everything. <laughs> what is it? How do you use it? All those things. Yeah, so I think it's easiest to start with an example. So we could look at what we did with you for mm-hmm. Growth Soul and your um, Simple and Season Instagram feed as well. So I think that you're an autumn personality, or they also call it fire light. And so the autumn personality likes um, earthy tones and sort of a rustic texture, but they're also, there's also a lot of substance to them, a lot of passion. They're very good at creating community, which is very clear from your good to hear. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> your Instagram community is such a, lovely thriving place and autumn personalities are also keen on learning and they like to do things well so I think that all fits and Mm. I think that's even though I'm more of a summer personality there's something about the way your feed is sort of harmonious and the authenticity that comes through that's appealing Mm. to me so that's um, how I initially connected to you as well Mm. so the different seasonal brand personalities are just a really it's really great framework for making sense of your creative style so as you say you know what you like and you know what you don't like and you don't necessarily know why Mm. and I think this theory that was developed in the early 80s I've discovered it just makes a lot of sense and it's just an easy way for you to know where to start looking when you want to put together a color palette or choose fonts it's a a great way of just making sense of things and to help you make decisions and to be consistent in those decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really helpful. And people use it for everything from fashion to home decor. So it's not mm. limited to branding. When you work with people generally, do you kind of tell them what seasonal brand personality or they are? Or do they come to you kind of already knowing or how does that how can somebody who's kind of listening to this kind of think well I know what colors I like but is that the same as knowing my brand personality Mm -hmm. I find most people don't know what personality they are and so that is uh, one of the first things that I would do is to when, when I put together a mood board I would also explain have descriptive words about their personality and have fonts, um, even some other logo ideas, textures, colors, all sorts of things that fit with that personality. And then the reason I do the mood board is that a client can then we can have a chat about it and they can say it's not quite right or it is. So it's just a starting point. But mm. if someone wanted to figure out what their personality is, I would do both things. So the way I figured out mine, because it's always so much harder (laughs) working on your own (laughs) branding and your own stuff than it is on someone else's. So what I did with mine was I actually um, looked at my Pinterest boards (laughs) and picked out the photos that I really liked the most. And then I sort of tried to see what what was similar between them. So the summer and the winter personalities both prefer sort of a cooler tone. So just in the, when photos are edited and there's a sort of cooler temperature to them, even though they might be clay colors or stone sandy colors in there, mm-hmm. um, it's still cool. So you can get a lot of clues from the sort of photos and imagery that you're naturally drawn to, also textures. And, and then the other is to do a keyword exercise and 
to note down all the different personality traits you can think of. And then that would usually point you quite clearly to which personality you are. Also, which is interesting, is that so the summer personality often has a, a little bit of autumn in it and the other way around as well. Oh. Um, so you're not necessarily 100% one of them. Yeah. Okay, so that's good that for people who relate to more than one, <laughs> that you can have have elements of more than one. Because I think, yeah, if you're going to be all 100% autumn or whatever, that that's going to be quite an intensive visual. <laughs> yes, yeah, it would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous of some of the other seasons. <laughs> I, think I, I really actually quite like the winter one. And then... I learned it's actually okay to like the darker use as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Try not to kind of segregate out your your seasons and and just yeah, it's okay to like purple even if you're even if you're autumn. So I think we're kind of talking about colors. So I think this is something along with fonts, which we'll talk about. But I think with colors, it's really one of those things. And this is me talking from my experience that you kind of if you're not a designer, you really worry that it's something that you're doing wrong because you feel it should be really technical of how do I know which colours go together? And you can always go to someone's site or whatever and be like, okay, there's something really clashy here and it's quite often the colours. So how do you start to go about choosing your colour palette? Once you've kind of decided what your your season is, how do you then translate that into the actual colours to use? So the interesting thing about color psychology is that in each group, there's thousands of colors that fit with that personality and they all work within each personality. The colors all work harmoniously together. Um, and so when you see that clashing, if you go to some website and you you see something is not right, it's often that someone by mistake used something from a different season. So the best way to start putting together your own color palette is to look at, again, a Pinterest board or a, someone else's website. There's tons of sort of uh, people who put together the brand boards for, for logos they've designed and they put that up on mm. Pinterest. And just to start picking out your favorite colors and then to actually have them side by side. And really, you can just trust your intuition. And so as soon as something clashes, you'll, you'll know. And when I did the studies initially to... Um, when they were testing their theories, it was some person on the research team had put some wrong color in by mistake. And every person participating in the study picked up that that was off. Mm. Um, so they might not know why, but they do know it's off. Mm. So so you can really trust that you'd, you'd pick colors that actually do go well together. Unfortunately, there's just <laughs> so many colors to choose from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it hard, but it can also be fun. And I would say choose a few colors that you can use often. So they could be sort of more muted ones or that can be background colors or they could be part of some graphic. And then you can pick just a couple that are more the accent colors that might be in the, the you know, it might make the type, that color, or um, yeah, some other sort of accent that comes through. You can also look at your own imagery on your Instagram feed or other photos that you really like and, and sort of pick colors off that. There's a great app from Pantone. I think it's called 
Pantone Studio. I'm not 100% sure. But you can hold your phone up to any anything or you could ah. um, import a photo into the app and then um, it'll come up with a palette from that photo. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I think um, you're so right by saying like start with your Instagram feed and see what you're drawn to because that was definitely it for me. Like if you'd asked me two years ago, what colours you're drawn to, brown wouldn't have been it. <laughs> I always thought I was more of a a kind of brighter, somebody drawn to brighter colours. Like all when I was a kid, my favourite colour was always blue. But actually having been in the process of creating imagery and the and being in a much more visual world by the fact that I'm just on Instagram every day, it's it becomes self-selecting. Like I would never have chosen to go down a brown route, but that's kind of what happened to me. And like some people don't choose to be light and bright, but it just happens that that's the photos that they can take. And I think we do, I'm getting into photography a bit here, but I have people say to me like, oh, I would really love to take moody photos like yours, but every time I try it, they just come out light and bright. And it's like, you've got to, you can like other styles, but the one that you can do and the one that you'll keep being drawn to is the one that you have to do. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you put together an Instagram feed, often your intuition takes over, over your rational thinking and more of your brand personality comes through rather than your own personality. So it's okay if there's a big, there's a lot of similarity between what you like and what fits your brand, but they don't have to be the same either. Mm, yeah, I guess that's a big thing because particularly when it's your, your all kind of one person band or you've just got a small business or a blog or whatever, that there is a lot of crossover there. And to be honest, I don't know where, you know, my business ends and I begins a lot of the time. So where do you kind of stand on that in terms of, do you kind of think it's good to have the personality separated or just kind of do what feels right? I think that, especially if you run your own small business and it's just you or you have a very small team and you're putting so much of what you believe in and what you love into your work, then it makes a lot of sense that the two personalities would be so similar and then the the branding or the colours would be pretty much the same. I think it's when it's, you start working on a bigger business or you have a very specific target audience mm. that you're trying to appeal to that you start, start separating yourself out of the, um, the branding. Yeah. But I, I think don't worry about it too much. And the more you can think of your visual branding as a, there's another personality that someone might feel attracted to or not like. <laughs> yeah, the easier it becomes to choose colours and everything. Yeah. Mm, okay, right. Yeah, so it's really thinking about it as this is a different, this is an entity. <laughs> this is another person separate to myself. And even though we might be twins, we're still different. And then also thinking about who the target customer is. And I, I like that you said that because very often we are our target customers. And I think if that's the case, then yeah, it makes sense for your personalities to be similar. But if your target customer is someone wildly different to you, then that kind of already tells you that you should be thinking of a different personality for the brand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Talking of colours, how I chose mine which might be interesting for people, might 
be not that I found a website which I'll put in the show notes because I can't remember what it was called but you could put a, a hex code of a color into it and it would generate complementary colors to go with it and so when I bought my WordPress theme there was a certain brown that was used as just a highlight accent for like links and things and I used that as like my starting point and then generated other colors around it and you just keep clicking refresh and then see the ones that really kind of chime with you so that's how I generated my colors and it was very (laughs) non-technical well those are those are great tools (laughs) otherwise it's a manual (laughs) labor intensive exercise that's (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I, I mean, some of them were a bit off. There were some like greens that came through and I was like, nope. But um, yeah, you kind of, so I got to the point where I had like a, a, a white and a black, but obviously that weren't just white or black, but that was kind of what I use now for the text areas of my site. And then I had my accent color, which was there all along. And then two sort of softer browns. Well, you've seen them. And there I use those kind of for call out blocks on my site and things like that and so that's how I use those but then having kind of worked with you on the grower soul branding it was the adding on the textures and stuff that really took it to another level because you know a block of colour is a block of colour but then where I'm coming around to in a really roundabout way is how once you kind of decided your season you've got your kind of colours how do you then go about really making it a unique brand with the kind of textures and elements like that that take it the level above just being some colors on a website Mm -hmm. I would recommend creating your own style guide so whenever I finishing a branding project I put together um, a style guide which has it starts with the mood board that we made and then it has the color palette and it shows the primary or the most used colors and the accent colors and then the fonts and how they work together. Some are for headings, some are for body text. And then also sometimes I would have worked on a pattern um, if that was needed for the brand. So that would be in there or just suggested um, a style of pattern Mm. that might work um, and textures and all that. So that's then to be used across the brand. Um, I always think that whenever you interact with a brand, you kind of want to you want to feel the same way when and with every interaction that you have mm. with the brand. So you don't want the website to feel different to the Instagram feed. So really, the key is just to be consistent. And the way you can be consistent is by making the decisions once off, and then just keep referring to your style guide and keep applying whatever rules you've chosen. Like with me, the way that I keep things consistent is just by using the same photos over and over again (laughs) so I don't have different ones that I use for my website as ones I'd use for my Instagram they would all cross over and I think as well that it's being really clear on how you want people to feel when they come and interact with you like I know how I want people to feel when they come to my site or they come to my Instagram so it's just kind of every time I put up a new blog post and I kind of just do the preview and just check that it has that kind of like homely, quiet, rooted, inviting feeling that I want people to have. And the same with like my Instagram feed. And I've got a friend who her thing is I want people to want to live 
in my brand. So she, every time she kind of like is planning her feed or, or whatever, she's like, Do, would somebody want to come and live in here? And that's how she kind of maintains that across everything. And I think that's kind of something that can make you feel unique as well, because nobody's gonna create the exact same feeling in the exact same way. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you might have similar audiences or similar ways of doing your work, but it would always, you always be have your unique approach that is just you. So you mentioned fonts there. <laughs> and this is another thing, kind of similarly to colours where people kind of know that fonts is a thing that they have to have, but then don't actually understand how to make the decision with them. And as you know, I can't remember how many even versions we went through with the Great Result because it was just something about the main font, the kind of handwritten font on there. I was just, and I don't even know why I was so picky about it. I just, there are certain ones that I'm like, oh no, that's so not it. But I couldn't put my finger on what actually was it. So I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who feels like that about fonts. But what is the kind of rules of thumb around choosing fonts? And why is it that we react so strongly about some fonts and not others? Well, I've discovered that I always thought it was sort of just a, a case of preference and taste <laughs> and dislike and dislike. But it turns out that even, and the color psychology can even help with that. I sound like a broken record <laughs> color psychology over and over, but it's such a great framework. So for autumn, what works well are fonts that have some texture to it, them and have a lot of substance. So I know you like Playfair for um, yeah. headings and some body copy even, which is a, a lovely serif font. They're very grounded, they have substance, but Playfair in particular I think is has something more to it, the way it is actually um, designed and structured. It just has that feel to it. And the what they call display fonts. Um, so it's fonts that you wouldn't ever use for anything other than a big heading, mm. really. Uh, the one that you loved for Grove Soul is one that has texture to it mm. and that has quite a lot of movement in it even. So that makes a lot of sense that you would like that. So there are some good universal rules. So one is to go for fonts that have existed for a long time. <laughs> so there's fonts that have been around since the 1920s or 1930s, um, like Futura, Bodoni, Montserrat. Those are fonts that have really stood the test of time. They were well made. They were made for the printing presses, so they had to really work. And sometimes you see a font and it just looks like the spacing is just off. Mm. So those newer fonts are sometimes not designed very well. And the classic fonts, um, they just work and you don't actually have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> yeah. So I would go check when a font was designed and by whom. And the other thing with fonts is that you can actually really personalize it quite a bit. So you can increase the spacing between letters and words to give it a much more modern feel. Uh, you can play a lot with the what I call the ba they call the balance or the harmony. So you, if you have a, um, a heading and a subheading, then the subheading is quite a bit smaller and maybe um, in all caps in a different font. So just the sort of relationship, mm -hmm. the contrast between headings and body copy, those are just things that you just play around with and you'll get a feel for it mm -hmm. and you'll immediately know if it works or doesn't work. 
So space is good to think about. I'm actually putting together a little PDF about that. So <laughs> these are not things that are they don't come naturally, but but if you play around, they um, you get a mm. few. And I think as well, for people who are on WordPress, I don't know whether Squarespace is the same, but so with my theme, it comes with already a lot of different heading options. And you do learn like the ones that you like and the ones that you don't and how you naturally feel like you want to use them. So I always use heading three just because it's the prettiest one. (laughs) And then my heading four is sometimes, and you will see it in the show notes on my site, I use heading four and that's all caps, but it's it's quite small. And I just really like that for really impactful pieces of text. Um, So yeah, I think you're so right about kind of playing around with it and stuff in terms of actually this is just a question I have in terms of the the seasonal brand personalities and serif versus sans serif is are there any particular rules around that no all I can think is that usually the spring personality doesn't use a lot of serif fonts Mm. um, because it's a quite a light and airy and playful sort of personality but you always get the really light version of uh, um, sometimes you get like ultra light or light of a serif font that has a very different feel to the bolder version of it. So the short answer is no, (laughs) there aren't any rules. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of going with what, what you want because yeah, I just have this really weird aversion to sans serif fonts. I just, I love a serif. (laughs) <laughs> mm, well yeah that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> and and the same with well like we discussed with the calligraphy like I like a very fine calligraphy and, that, and there's nothing against like brush calligraphy where you get like on a, the curve of a g would be really thick like I just don't like it <laughs> right and it was like you see it and you just it's a, it's a level above not liking it. It's like, this is actually a complete antithesis to who I am. <laughs> this is not my personality. It's so funny how lines on a page can have that effect. Oh, they do, yeah. And I think there might be another autumn or autumn and summer type personality that really loves that. Fun. Yeah, I think there would be as well. And I so... I think it's totally fine. <laughs> if you don't like it, then you don't like it. And <laughs> just do what you what looks good to you. And I think because you just come across much more authentic that way. And, and not everybody that comes to your website has to love the way you've used your text for them to see that it's thought through and it fits. Yeah, it's more about does it flow as a cohesive whole than do I really like that font? <laughs> I could get over somebody having a brush calligraphy logo as long as it's not there's not lots of different things jarring at me on the page. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of brings us on actually, even though we've we've touched on it throughout, about consistency, because I know this is something that people struggle with. And I think well, I actually had the question, how do you keep your brand consistent? Not 
how do I keep mine, but how does one keep one's brand consistent? And I think it's interesting because we've spoken very much about the visual side of the brand, whereas there is a whole other side of the brand, which is in your your communications and your copy as well, Mm -hmm. which we haven't spoken about. And so that is something that I always work with people on in terms of thinking about really narrowing down the things that you talk about so that all your messages are derived from that one why. So if your your why is an umbrella, what are the stalks holding it up? Like the kind of four or five, three, four, five, whatever. But then they are the things that you talk about through your, all of your messaging so that that part of it is consistent. And I think that that's kind of easier to pick up on, especially with things like tone of voice. When you are your business, when you're a one person or a small team or whatever, you're your voice is the voice of the business. So that is easier to keep consistent if you just talk as yourself. But then in terms of visuals, I think, and maybe I'm talking from my own experience again, but that's the point at which you kind of fall apart because your voice is your voice and the way that you write is the way that you write. But visuals feels like an extra level of effort if it's something that you're not used to. And I mean, there's so much do I use this filter or that filter on my image or do I, should I use this prop or that prop? And I think there's a lot of overthinking that goes into the creating of visuals. And so what are some kind of easy rules of thumb that we can use to kind of maintain consistency on our website, on our socials uh, and all the other places we have to appear visually? Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to also say that I completely agree that you, the way you use words mm. um, is really part of it. It comes back to the how do you want people to feel when they mm. encounter your brand. And so the the tone of voice or the way you speak and the things you speak about all plays part of it. So it's your brand consistency doesn't just rely on um, the visuals, which is good. Um, <laughs> rules of thumb for visuals i'd say again that it's uh, good to have um, a good solid style guide or any sort of a document that you want to keep um, where you just have noted down sort of the fonts that you'll stick to so i wouldn't choose more than three fonts or never use more than three on one page because <laughs> it really starts to clash and so you can choose what works for you um, like you have on your website and on your sort of pin, your pins that you mm. design, you don't have to feel like you have to reinvent the wheel, or I mean, or just make something fresh and new every single time mm. you create a, something visual. Especially when it comes to fonts, you can reuse the same thing. So I would say, for instance, if you were doing quotes sometimes in your Instagram feed, mm-hmm. and you wanted to have a graphic with words on it, you might have one quote one day that's really long, and the next day. Or another time, it's a much shorter quote, so you, you won't use the font at exactly the same point size. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you'll you'll maybe do something like you always justify it, and you always use the one font for the main quote, and then you have a different font, much smaller for the person um, that you're quoting. Um, and you can create interest in that by making one or two words that you want to emphasize bolder or underlined even. So I would say that the more you can decide on a limited amount of sort of rules for yourself or or have a small guide for yourself, and then within that you can really 
make things look a bit different each time. Yeah, I think that it's really limiting your options because there are tools like Canva and other apps <laughs> that give you a whole gamut of options to do and you kind of end up sometimes like a kid in a sweet shop and I've definitely been there. I've been like, oh, I could use this font and that would look so good. And it's actually like really giving yourself some strict boundaries and saying, no, this is the colour palette. These are the fonts and just staying within those. And that there's a couple of things there. And one is that creativity loves boundaries anyway. So you'll always make much better, interesting stuff from staying within the limits. And also this is something that I get from people particularly around things like repurposing their written content. So whether that's using a blog post again in a different subject or talking about something on Instagram that you might have also talked about the week before and people worry that it sounds samey, but it just feels consistent and it's exactly the same with your visuals. Like people aren't going to be bored of you using the same colours and the same fonts all the time because it looks like consistency rather than which I think some people could feel, does it look lazy or does it look like I don't know what I'm doing or does it look non-creative? No, it just feels like consistency and it makes it easier to navigate your brand because there's not like these big pops of green and blue and red coming up all over the place. It's just ease, it's really the word, like helping people travel through your brand, whether that be through the visuals that they see or the words that they're reading and that it's all reinforcing the stories that you want to be telling and that feeling you want people to be feeling. Exactly. And you want your brand to be recognizable as much as possible. So you want, when someone sees an image edited in a certain way, you want them to be like, oh, that is a Kate image. And so you don't want a bunch of images edited in a fresh and different way each time and people don't really know who you are. (laughs) And also... I know we each work on our own brands every day and we get probably get bored of it and we want to try something yeah. completely different. But a lot of the people coming across our brand are not getting bored because they're not working on it every day like we are. And if I just think of your Instagram feed that I've been following for ages and I just I just want to see more of it. <laughs> That's why I love visiting yours, <laughs> your grid. So Yeah, I, I so many things like firstly like we are the only people who see absolutely everything that we put out so yeah we do think oh god I wrote about this three weeks ago nobody else remembers nobody else is paying that much attention to you which like I find that quite freeing personally that oh great no one cares enough to remember what I've done I can just you know keep trucking along I can reuse this reuse that and it just feels like a consistent thing and as you say people like to put people in kind of boxes and know what they're going to get from them particularly in the Instagram context when people are making the decision of whether to click follow they want to be sure that they are going to keep consistently getting the thing that they're signing up for essentially by clicking follow and so by having that consistency through your imagery, it helps people to make that decision. And I mean, for me, if I was to go into somebody's feed because I saw a picture and a hashtag, but then the rest of the feed had kind of different colours in and and a whole lot of different subjects and, and compositions, that would make me second guess it because I think, oh, I'm not sure. Am I am I always going to see image like that one I really loved? Or am I going to see images like these ones I don't particularly love? And it kind of adds that doubt in and that's what you want to be doing at every stage in your business whether it be through your visuals or through your copy it's taking away that element of doubt and 
like making sure that people aren't questioning whether they want to engage with you they're just doing it because it feels right right and i mean i think people trust a brand that looks like they really know who they are and feel confident to put that out over and over and um, are communicating the same core message repeatedly then that's something that you can really get behind i think Mm, yeah i mean i don't go to like a restaurant or something if it doesn't have a nice sign (laughs) like the font on the sign i'm like no (laughs) they're not my people they're not they're not going to be providing me with what i want but that is kind of the thing is that the the way that somewhere like a shop or a restaurant or whatever the way that they choose to present their sign tells me how they feel about their business and if it's they've not put any thought into it or it's like they've got one sign one color and one that's old and not the same it just tells me like they don't care about these finer details that I care about (laughs) so again it introduces doubt in my mind that you know they might have the best food in the world but it's a risk for me to take to walk through that door because what they're showing me on the outside doesn't demonstrate that they have that attention to detail in their signage. So why would they put it into their food? Um, Maybe that's just me. I don't know. (laughs) No, I don't think so. (laughs) But having said all of that, I think particularly in an Instagram context, it's important to feel like you can do it wrong. And I mean, I've done it wrong. Not when I say wrong, I don't even want to say the word wrong. I've posted pictures of like, there was a one I remember, which was a shop door, which was red and I really loved it. And then I posted it. And then in the context of the grid, it was just like staring at me <laughs> because I was like, no, that's, that's not right. That doesn't feel right. But then you learn from those and it's important. And I've done it again because I've, I've posted pictures of post boxes before and I know that red doesn't work, but you have to kind of, experiment with it and I think Instagram is a place that you can do that because within two weeks if that those pictures have moved so far down your grid that nobody's ever going to see them again so it is a place where if you're thinking I want to introduce say a little bit more green start to bring it in through your Instagram feed first of all see how it's it's blending with your other colors and then apply it elsewhere yeah that's a really good way to do it and I I think you can have just give yourself a lot of freedom as you say to play around a bit and see what works I mean an Instagram feed can sort of go from more greens and maybe even some pinks in like a in the spring and summer and then turn a little bit more brown towards the next season and without it looking like it's a different brand altogether like there's there's a lot of freedom so when you've used when you have a palette that you like you can sort of focus on some colors more for a while and then kind of go another way with it but it all lives together Mm. so it's not going to look like there's no harmony and it's it's all going to be you yeah that was something that I really struggled with actually last year is that I was very conscious of not putting green into my feed because it was not my colours and I just really struggled (laughs) because everything around me was green and it felt like such a weight and I was really struggling to find things to take photos of as there's like this blooming world around me so I've definitely lightened up and and I think it's useful to have your base colours so for me that is 
creams, browns and greys, but I allow there to be pops of colour within that. So during the summer, I've had yellow sunflowers, I've had pink kind of stocks, I have introduced some green, but the green has been like a plant on a wooden side or it might have been a a very white building or cream building with foliage on it that just so you've got your base colors that run through everything but you allow there to be pops that demonstrate the season that we're living in especially in a social context where it's very here and now and of the moment you can't be posting like autumnal images throughout the year because for three seasons of the year people can be like well I don't see that I'm, I'm on the beach <laughs> right I don't identify with that at all <laughs> yeah exactly yeah really Instagram is a place that you can experiment with these things and then yeah having those core rules that you keep to yourself and then having those on the website so my website doesn't change other than the photographs I use on it the colors of my website don't change and that is the consistent hub of of my brand even there, you could even experiment with background colors if you wanted because it's digital and you can just change it right back if it <laughs> doesn't feel right, right. That's the thing, though, that everybody gets so het up on doing it right and like really worrying about, oh, I can't possibly change the thing. It's the internet. Nothing is permanent. It can be deleted. It can be changed. It can only needs to be there for 30 seconds before you change your mind. So it's kind of freeing it up and loosening up the shoulders and being like, okay, let's just play with it and see what happens. Oh, that was rubbish. Well, I'm not going to do that again. Like, (laughs) Just have fun with it. And that's the way to learn as well. Yeah. And maybe ask some people that you trust for their opinion. Mm. Um, You can even give them screenshots um, of different ideas you're playing with. If you can't make up your mind, maybe someone else can objectively (laughs) help with that. I do that all the time. I was also thinking about like just how you compose a photo or how you edit it. So you might bring in the the greens in a certain season, but you still edit your photos in a similar way and they're still composed in a in a, a definite style. Whereas I think someone that's maybe more of a spring personality would have a lot more clean space a lot more light coming in so they can also change colors and if they edit the photo in the same way or it's always kind of it's always landscapes or something with a lot of sky showing and a lot of light coming in then that's going to be consistent with the spring personality and it's going to be consistent with the brand so yeah I think staying consistent visually sounds like it could be difficult but it's I think if you trust yourself and you play around often you know instinctively what works yeah and I think it's exactly that you know more than you think you do because you have eyes and that's that's all that it's it's about the point of it is that your customer doesn't have well necessarily doesn't have any more knowledge on what makes a consistent brand than you do but you're both looking at it from the same eyes and you can both see what jars and see what works so yeah, there are some rules if you get into really high up design houses or whatever, but it's all about what works for the human eye. And that's the same with photography. It's the same with branding. It's In some ways, it's the same with, with your writing. What works for the human is always what's going what's gonna to triumph because that's who it's for at the end of the day. You can make it as technical and wonderful as you like, but if it doesn't work for a person, then it's not going to be successful. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And our kinds of brands, they're professional, but they're not, they don't have to be perfect. Mm. <laughs> there is a human element to them. So there's 
there's always room for a bit of error. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going around. Just as you would write a blog post that might have like a, a personal story or some vulnerability to it or in an Instagram caption or that you might go do a Instagram story with no makeup on, it's exactly the same as being able to to have a little crack in your brand here and now that just reminds someone that this is a real person and this isn't a corporate business. This is this is a, a human and it helps them come to you with that kind of feeling as well. So I have one last question for you, which is how do you grow with soul in your work and life? I think I do that through being open to possibilities and trying to live with a sense of imagination. So I like to keep a bit of room or leave a little bit of room for the unimaginable, the unplanned. I like to be open to being surprised. I don't really love surprises, <laughs> but I I love encountering something that I could never have planned on. So whether that's through a process of working on a brand with someone and discovering something or trying something new that I wouldn't have myself or in other parts of life, it's just the less I feel like I need to control everything and have it all planned out and the more I can be open to delight, being delighted and surprised, the happier I am. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Okay, so where can people find you and connect with you online? Where's the best place to find you? So I'm on Instagram at, at Everyday Artifacts and my website is everydayartifacts.co. That's the best places to find me. And I'll be uploading PDFs and things that can help people with their style guides and the rules that they want to create soon. Cool. So. They might even be there by the time this goes out. Thank you so much, Margie, for joining us and sharing all your good, juicy knowledge. <laughs> My pleasure. It's been great chatting to you. All the links we mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Margie on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she's at everydayartifacts. As always, if you think you have a friend who would really benefit from listening to this conversation, please send them the link to the episode and please do continue to share where you're listening via the hashtag, hashtag growwithsoulpodcast. And until next time, I hope you grow with soul. <laughs>